Welcome to another great episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm your host, Jeremy Parmentier, and again, we are joined by Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. So it's glad to see all three of us back. I know it was kind of a, a different situation to not have Billy here uh, for the previous episode, but uh, we wanted to get out before Halloween. Uh, I didn't want to wait too long, so I'm, we had to do what we had to do. But uh, glad to see you're back, Billy. Uh, oh, before yeah. we get into why you were so busy or what you've been playing, I have a very important announcement. After talking about it for, I want to say, what episodes is this, 36? 36 episodes. <laughs> I now own a PS4. Hey, what? look at this. I, it's, a, it's pretty great. Uh, I mean, I bought the Slim. The Pro's not out yet as of recording. I don't even know when it comes out, but it's not out now. Uh, and honestly, I'm only going to play Persona 5 and Final Fantasy 15 and Dark Souls 3. Uh, so I didn't need to wait for the Pro for that. But uh, I'm loving it. I'm loving every second of it. Uh, I have so much catching up to do. It came with Uncharted 4. Uh, the only other Uncharted game I've played before this was the one for the Vita, which is fine. Uh, but this one's way more uh, cinematic. Uh, there, there's a lot of parts where, like, you know, there, there's parts where you go back in your past, and then there's parts where you're swimming around and looking at treasure ships and stuff. Like, I, I'm loving it. It's great. It looks pretty. I think my wife kind of enjoys watching it, uh, which has been nice. Uh, or she could just be humoring me. Uh, oh, so she's, she's aware. She's oh no I I got permission <laughs> don't 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 anyone pretend out there that I just went out and bought it on my own I I got permission and I made sure I had uh, I worked out a deal where uh, not a deal because it's something I came up with but I managed to set up like a new Target red card account and make up a wish list and stuff so I got the whole thing for like two hundred and twenty dollars so oh, that, that that works out you know but I mean I think I'm tied to Target for the rest of my life now but that's okay <laughs> uh, because they also were doing buy two games get one free so I now also have uh, Dark Souls three which was a guarantee get. And, uh, and Fallout 4, which I have not started, but looks very pretty on the shelf. Mm-hmm. I'll get to it eventually. Uh, and then I also bought Dragon Quest 7 for the 3DS because I need something to waste a thousand hours at. So that's going to do it for me as well. Uh, but that's what I've been playing. Nothing but PS4 for the last uh, week. I mean, I got it this past weekend, and I, I think uh, this may be the last episode of Retrovaniacs I do. I'm going to quit <laughs> my job, uh, quit all my bands, quit anything else I'm doing. And I have a lot of catching up to do. Uh, before the next PlayStation hits and ruins the one that, that I have now. So what have you been playing, though, Billy, since last time we spoke? Well, I, you know, I haven't been playing a lot. Um, I, I've had a little little vision trouble. I've, I've been looking out of one eye for about the last month or so. Uh, so I can play things for about five, ten minutes at a time before I get a horrific headache and then have to cut every light in the room off. Uh, it's gotten a little better, and I, I've played a little bit here and there. You know, with Halloween around, I, I try to replay, uh, you know, some of the Silent Hill games. I, I played a little bit of two. I didn't get to play them as much as I want. However, what I've been playing at length, and, and in fact, just up till a little bit ago, was on the on, on PS Plus. You know, you get the two free games that come out every month for the for the PS4. Uh, this month, I can't remember what the other one was. Uh, I've been playing Deadly Tower of Monsters, and I'm going to tell you something about this shit right here. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think much about it. I, it's one of those, you know, small independent games that pops up on PS Plus, and, and I play it once. I never play it all the way through. 
Uh, you know, it's fun for a little bit, but it, it usually has some kind of gimmick to it or something like that that, that wears out its welcome. But this has just been, it has been an awakening. And if you have a PS4, uh, you've got to get hold of this. Get it while it's free now. I'd recommend buying it uh, if you miss out on it while it's free. Uh, it, it's, it's one of the best, and I think Jeremy Gregory was the one that said it. It's a great throwback, and it does have a Zombies Ate My Neighbors feel to it. It's pretty much just a, a, a mishmash of stereotypes from old, you know, 50s, 60s sci-fi films. And you know, it has a narrator on it. It's pretty much the, the, the gimmick to this one is uh, that it's, a, it's an old film and the, the director is coming back to do commentary on the, the DVD for it. Uh, so you have a, the, the constant narrator throughout, except it's, it's actually done well this time, uh, unlike a lot of games that try that. I, and I have just, I have poured several hours into that. And, and I finished it, and I, I'm still going back uh, to pick up some of the things I missed out missed out on the first time around. Excellent game. See, I usually don't get into the, the whole PS Plus games. I You know, it, I think I've played like maybe three or four mm-hmm. in, in the last two years, um, or, or since the, the PlayStation 4 has even been out. Um, it, it, most of them just don't interest me. You know, there's just not not much I really want to play. And and I saw this one, and you know, it was I, I was like, you know, this it, it's kind of a neat concept. You know, I, I definitely love those old uh, '50s and and '60s style, uh, you know, sci-fi movies and things like that. So um, I, I just tried it out, and the first ten minutes, I was like, this is kind of weird. You know, I I don't know. But then I played a little bit more, and I was completely hooked. I could not stop playing that game. Yeah. Uh, basically sit there and uh, over the course of two days completely beat it got the platinum trophy everything like it, it, it was just so much fun to play through and and there's just something about every once in a while I'll find a game that I just can't put down um, the last time that really happened to me with this style of game which believe it or not was Death Spank on the Xbox 360 <laughs> Um, you know, very average game by all accounts and I sit there and played that game <laughs> So much, I for no reason. It, it, it's something about just the pacing, the, just the story, the character. I don't know, but I and it's the same thing with this game. I could not stop playing it. It was just so much fun to play through the entire thing. You know, if if you've not played it before, you're like Billy said, it's a you know kind of a, a throwback to to just about every '50s and '60s sci-fi stereotype you could think of, and it all takes place on this deadly tower of monsters. Um, it starts from the ground and you basically, by the time you finish the game, you are in space. You have climbed this entire tower mm-hmm. and you know, the tower is made up into different sections. You know, the bottom parts like this tribal area, the, the middle parts like this, um, 60 sci-fi area. And it just keeps getting crazier and crazier the higher you go. But it was, it was just, it kept my attention. I, you know, I was, it, it's so hilarious to see the different types of, of enemies. I, I think the first time the, um, you know, the, the claymation dinosaurs came onto the screen, actually got an audible laugh out of me, which is oh, yeah. very rare for a game. That was just, that was so good just to see those things. And later on the, the, the you know, the claymation slugs, you know, it, it looks so perfect. Um, just exactly what you would expect to see on, on like a bad mystery science, three thousand to whatever um, episode. Like it was just, it, it was, it was just so much fun. The only thing I can really be- say bad about it was, uh, you know, the cameras kind of shit. Uh, mm-hmm. At times, if you go somewhere where the game doesn't want you to go, then you you you're, you know you might as well forget about it. The camera's just going to go sh- you know crazy on you, and uh, the controls aren't exactly the best. You no, know, they're iffy. Yeah, it's it's iffy. 
the combat, even, you know, just that is iffy. But there's something so charming about that game that I just kept playing it all the way through. And a hell of a twist at the end of that. <laughs> just out of nowhere. One yeah, of the, I, the better twists. Don't yeah, ruin this I, for I me. I agree. I was playing this game, and, and I mean, it seems so straightforward as you go through it that, that when, when Jeremy told me, oh, pretty soon there's going to be a hell of a twist, I thought to myself, there's, there's no room for a twist. Uh, this is so straightforward. <laughs> this is follow the formula the entire time. But they hit you with something. And uh, yeah, uh, job well done on it. I, I, you know, usually a twist, I don't mind spoiling a twist. I'm not going to mess with this one. You got to see this one for yourself. I do appreciate it since for the first time in 36 episodes, I can now play the game you're talking yes, about. And I actually it. downloaded it and started playing it today a little bit because you guys have talked about it nonstop. And I have to agree, it's. It's like Flash Gordon meets the first Diablo. I'm loving it. Every second of it. It's a lot of fun. Stick with it. It's, it's, it's worth it. Uh, especially just to get to that twist. It, it's really great. Oh, it, it's great. It's mindless fun, and it's not, it's not graphically violent enough that I can't play it in the room with my kids. Unlike the other games I bought, which are horribly violent, and I cannot play in the room with my kids. So I've at least got something I can play when they're around. Uh, if I get five minutes where they're not fighting each other. So it's great. I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm looking forward to... Uh, the other game, by the way, is uh, everyone went to the Rapture or something. I don't know oh, if that's good or not. But I downloaded that too. <laughs> that's a good one. You know, people give these games shit. The ones where you just walk around the whole time and don't really do anything. I find them very relaxing. And as far as what games where you just pointlessly walk about, this is as good as it gets. I actually enjoy most of those, uh, so I'm looking forward to trying that too. But uh, but I'm going to finish this, and I'm going to finish the other games. Uh, other than uh, than Deadly Tower of Monsters, Jeremy, what have you been playing since uh, last episode? Uh, well, really, about the only thing that I've I've been playing as much as uh, Deadly Tower of Monsters is uh, some Titanfall Two that came out uh, a couple of weeks ago, and um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'd like I me and Billy played the hell out of Titanfall One. We you oh, know yeah. we several months we sat there and, and played that game just just about every night and we were like three three years late to the party with that one <laughs> and you know it was still just as much fun as what um what you could have had on day one this one it's i mean it's still titanfall and i like it but there's a lot of things that there's just little things here and there that just aren't adding up to me for some reason uh, one of the biggest things is it's really, really hard to come back in this game. Like the original Titanfall, it seemed like matches could go back and forth all the time. This is in the attrition mode. If you play Titanfall, attrition mode is is the way to go. I mean, it's basically a Call of Duty-style um, team deathmatch, uh, but it adds in, like, bots uh, that you can kill for points, um, and, you know, you of course you get your Titans after so long or whatever, depending on how fast you kill people um, or, or the bots or whatever. But it's... You know, like I said in the, in the first one, it was super, super fun to just go back and forth unless you were just completely getting stomped, which was fairly rare. But this one, it seems like as soon as you fall behind by about 20 to 30 points, you may as well just be done with it. You were you were you cannot do anything. You were just going to continue to get destroyed the rest of that match. And, you know, that's that's about it. Maybe it's just the sampling of the games that I've had so far. But I played about 40 matches so far uh, in attrition. And very few times has that been different. I don't know if I'm just getting matched with these MLG motherfuckers that can just, you know, somehow rail off 20 kills per match while my team, my entire team, can't even <laughs> add up to that many kills. 
um, as the one person on the other team. But that seems like I don't know if, if matchmaking is kind of broken or what, but it just doesn't seem to be matching our skill levels of very low you know, skill levels. We're shit at video games because we're old and we can't sit there and play them 24 hours a day to people that are already like completely maxed level. You know, they've they've kind of like went on to do this other shit that, that you do beyond max level. And of course, we're at a complete disadvantage. We can't do anything because I'm still rocking the the fucking default weapons. And you just you have no chance, it seems like. And I'm hoping maybe as the game gets a little bit older that people will start being matched where they should be. I don't know if it's just the early days and, and it's all weird or what. But as of right now, it's really, really hard to get into just a match where you feel like um, everyone's properly matched together. And I, I never got that with the first Titanfall. So maybe once it gets that, I can really recommend it to people that aren't super into first-person shooters. Um, but you know, as it is right now, it's it's really hard for me to recommend unless you really, really want to put some time in it. If you want to do that, it's a great game. It's a great Titanfall. Um, there, there's just a ton to like about it. It's super solid. It's got a great single-player campaign. Um, you know, it's it's really good. But it is frustrating as hell if you want fair online matches right now. Well, the other game I've had time to play since uh, I got my PS4 is I've logged in probably four hours into this week's game. But I beat it twice because I've played this game probably 200 times since I first bought it. Kid Icarus for the Nintendo Entertainment System. one of those I, I knew i mean i've known for years this is one of those that's considered a classic you know people put this right up here with you know castlevania metroid as far as those early nintendo titles uh but for some reason you know i've played everything on the nintendo that's considered to be you know the, the game the games to play uh i never touched this one i never really i never even recall seeing this one I mean, I, I have no clue. I can't tell you why I never played it, but I never have. And even as an adult, you know, aware, fully aware of Kid Icarus, fully aware of the fact that it's this amazing Nintendo game that I never played. I never got around to it. I have no clue why. So I went into this one, believe it or not, just 100% completely blind. I think that's that's really cool. I think it was the exact same for me. Yeah. But how many times do you get the chance to say you're going into a, a, a Nintendo, an NES classic launch game completely blind? I, I think for most of us, we've played the hell out of just about every Nintendo game that you can think of that would be it would even be considered classic. So to sit down with Kid Icarus, which I, for some reason, just never played. It was never at my video store, never saw it anywhere. I, I was I was super interested to see exactly what Mr. Uh, Jeremy P. was calling his favorite game of all time. It's mm-hmm. it's hands down my favorite Nintendo game, original Nintendo game, uh, with Goonies 2 being number two. So 
that's the only other game I've recommended that you guys actually enjoyed. So I wasn't sure how this was going to go. I didn't know if this would be another Guardian Legend, if this would be a, another one of my uh, TurboGrafx selections, if I was going to find out that, no, Jeremy, you like the worst games on the planet. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I, I mean, I, I'm willing to bet, even if you both hate this game, that everyone else that listens to this podcast will write us angry emails, because this is a classic. Playing it again today, I played it this afternoon again, start to finish, uh, just to make sure there was nothing I, I forgot about again. And I love this game. I can't stop playing this game. It's If I was on an island with one Nintendo game, this would be the one I pick. Well, that says a lot. I mean, that that's, you know, with all the Nintendo games out there. Uh, and, and I went to this, I went into this one a little nervous because I know a lot of people just absolutely love this game. I completely forgot this thing existed until the, uh, the, the 3DS Kid Icarus came around, which I also have not played. Uh, and, and, you know, I went into this hoping I would like it just because, I mean, it's one of the, you know, the, one of the, we've said it, you know, several times already, one of the classics for the NES. Uh, and you know, for the most part, we'll go through, I don't have all good to say about it. Uh, but I don't have a lot of bad and, and I'll start off with one of the things I did enjoy, uh, that it shares with a lot of the, the classic NES games is it, it has some pretty kick-ass music that, that opening theme grabbed me and I wasn't really let down throughout the rest of it. It's got, you know, it, it's definitely got that classic NES, uh, sound and, and look to it, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a very simple-looking game. This isn't anything that's going to blow you away graphically, but um, the sound is is really good, um, <laughs> except for when you actually, you know, alert death or whatever. Uh, we'll get into this more, but the, the music that played during that, I was just like, every time it came on, I was like, oh, my God, I can't listen to this <laughs> anymore. This is this is so terrible. But the rest of the game, it did, it did sound fine. You know, it, it's... Like I said, it's it's a very any early NES looking game, and and you know, that's about all you can really expect from it. Oh yeah, and and I guess my only complaint about the music, really, uh, besides what Jeremy just touched upon, uh, is there there are a lot of doors in this game uh, that you have to go in and out of, uh, and we'll talk about. I mean, we'll talk about what's in those doors a little bit later on, but it's one of those games where every time you go in and out of a door, uh, things start over. The music starts over. And I found myself on a few occasions going in and out of the same door repeatedly and having to hear the same tune kick off. I, and it, I mean, it's slightly annoying, but just about every game, you know, back then did that. So I'm going to let that one slide. Uh, you know, music sounds good. Graphics, nothing to write home about, but you got to remember the time this thing came out. Yeah, that's it's not a launch title, but it's an early... NES title, uh, you know, again, it, Nintendo came out in this country widespread in 1986. It was available in 1985, but only really at specialty retailers and, and not, you know, everyone I knew didn't get one until 1986 or later. Uh, both Kid Icarus and Metroid came out in the summer of 1987 in this country, in the U.S. Um, they were both developed by people that, you know, shared teams. They have the same producer. Uh, I'm going to ruin every name as I always do but Gunpei Yokoi the developer also of the Game Boy and several other major Nintendo uh, mainstays at that time was a developer for both this and Metroid they share some of the same team and use some of the same elements which is why I, I always think about them as the not sequels because they don't make any sense together whatsoever but they look very similar if you actually look at them side by side they've they've kind of got the same 
amount of blocks in the characters. You know, like you look at later Nintendo games and they're a lot more fluid looking. And you look at the earliest Nintendo games, uh, the, the the black box launch titles, and they're a lot more blocky. This is that kind of first first run of games. These two and Zelda and some of the Konami games, you know, where we really were like, wow, the Nintendo can do a lot of really cool large things that, you know, at this time consoles really didn't do. You know, you, you couldn't play a game like this on the uh, in television or Atari. Uh, you really had to wait until the Nintendo came out to play things like this other than on PCs. So this game, I remember this coming out. It had a huge spread in the, the player's guide. Uh, that, that That's, I think, how a lot of people remember this game is it had like six pages in the player's guide that broke out oh. the first like two-thirds of the game pretty much. It's, I mean, I, I can see why if you played it now and hadn't played it before how you guys have the opinion of the oh the graphics aren't anything to look at and yeah it's kind of it's got a few issues here and there and it does i mean i i love this game and i still wouldn't say if it came out today as a brand new game i wouldn't think yeah i would have made some different choices here but but at the time i mean this game metroid zelda untouchable they were the best games i could play at that moment in time it's weird you mentioned the uh the, the player's guide you know when i got my nintendo it, it was the gimped version um you know quotation marks gimped that came with the player's guide instead of Super Mario Brothers and Dunk Hunt, Duck Hunt, which everybody else got because they weren't poor like I was. But, you know, that, that player's guide has served me so well over the past 70 or so years that I've had it that it's, you know, I, I'm glad I got that more, more so than I did, uh, the, you know, crappy Mario and, and Duck Hunt cartridge that everyone else had. And then I got for like two bucks later on. But yeah, I remember seeing Kid Icarus and that and, uh, I, I was always so interested in it because, you know, unlike every other game in, in that player's guide that went, you know, vertically, this one actually, the, the maps were horizontal for the most part. And I was like, that's really strange. You know, what do you, what do, you do? What do you do? You just go up and, you know, that's, it turns out that's exactly what you, you kind of have to do in this game. It is definitely not the standard uh, side-scrolling, uh, well, it is kind of in, in the second world, but you actually start out, in the, the first world and in later on the third world, uh, you are not going left to right. You're going bottom to top. So you, this is actually a horizontal platformer uh, that just you your goal is to get to the very top. And I imagine that was fairly crazy to see back when this was actually first came out. It made it stand out. It definitely made it stand out. There weren't a lot of games that weren't shooters. You know, Gradius was top down, uh, you know, side scrolling. And then I guess... Um... Life Force was the other way. It was the, the vertical scrolling. But the shooters, that was pretty standard. But yes, action games, you wouldn't see this too often where you go from bottom to top. And this, this did that for um, you know about half the game. So to, to break out how the game is set up, there are four worlds, essentially. There's the underworld you start in, and that is a bottom-to-top scroller for the first three of the four levels. Uh, the fourth level on every world uh, is a like a maze labyrinth style game that that changes up the formula a little bit and we'll get to those when we get to the first one um but each world is like that so you have the world one is underworld you start from the bottom you work your way to the top and you have a maze the second world is like the overworld and that's a side scroller standard left to right kind of nintendo era side scroller uh again ends with a labyrinth and then the last world is i guess the like a pathway to the heavens or something and that goes from the bottom to top again like the first world did uh, and then it ends in a labyrinth. And then there's one final level where, you, you know, everything kind of comes to a head. And it's a different feeling level than the other uh, 12 levels you played before it. But uh, we'll, we'll get to that level towards the end. So for the regular levels, you know, one through level 1 through 3 in the first world, the bottom to top levels, 
I guess the the you mentioned earlier the the death and the music changes when you find death. So there, every every area kind of has one of the one or two enemies where you see when you're like, oh, I don't want to deal with that guy right now. And in the the earlier worlds, a hundred percent, it's the Reaper, uh, Death, the character, and that is, it walks slowly left to right across the screen and turns around real quick and then keeps walking and then it'll turn around real quick. You can shoot them when they aren't facing you, but you then have to make sure you're out of eyesight. They'll turn around and slowly walk back, and you wait for them to turn around again and slowly walk back and try to you know jump up and hit them real quick with your gun or your arrow. But if you don't time that right, or if you decide just to run at it and shoot it a couple times because you're super strong, it will essentially see you and alert uh, the Reaperettes, which are these four little flying doobies that come around the screen. They're not very dangerous, except that a lot of things do a lot of damage to your character. Uh, even if it doesn't seem that, de- that threatening, you probably can hit take four hits at the start of the game before you die. So you don't want them to alert the Reaperettes because they fly around, but the music that it plays is awful. It's an irritating clip. The rest of the game is music. There's only you know one set of tracks for each of the, the worlds, and then there's a track for all of the labyrinths and then the last world. So there's only five or six pieces of music to this game, but all of them, except for that one piece, are actually very good, like you, you all said. I think that's... it's As I'm playing it, I'm humming along to these tunes. I'll remember them forever. And yeah, the intro tune, when you first start the game, is one of the best opening so intro musics in the Nintendo. Yeah. I, that Reaper, I don't know what the hell they were thinking with that. That is, I don't know if maybe they're just trying to throw you the fuck off, disorient you or something. Uh, but yeah, it's just... It's, it, it stands out. It certainly stands out. It definitely makes you not want to to deal with him. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's almost like a, a bit of stealth gameplay in a, in an early NES game. If if his back is to you, then he can't actually. It, it doesn't seem like he'll respond to you if you can, you know, jump around him or whatever. But if you get close enough to him when he's facing you, then he'll he'll just freak out and just run straight at you, and then send his little baby reapers after you and. That music just starts blaring, and then there's another sound effect that plays, which I guess is just the the Grim Reaper just, you know, fucking screaming at you or something. And it's just, it, it's one of those things where, like, it creates stress. And it, it, it's just, I'm just like, oh, man, that fucking Reaper's right there. What's the best way that I can just get around him without him freaking out and, and coming at me and, and sending his little babies at me and shit? I, I, every time I saw him, I just wanted to get away from him. The rest of the enemies that are in these stages uh, that I played, you know, they really don't pose much of a threat. They're more just an annoyance than anything else. Uh, this is definitely one of those games that has a lot of floating, what I guess I'd call floating around enemies. They they don't really go back and forth on the actual level, but there's a, there's a lot that just kind of float around the screen in a weird pattern. You know, it, it always seems that they're just kind of out of reach of your arrow that you shoot at them. Uh, unless you know exactly where to stand, where you can hit them, it, they're they're kind of an, just annoying. And I I ended up actually just running into them a lot uh, because they they just had these weird patterns where they just kind of did figure eights around the screen. Uh, you know, I, I that was really my my biggest annoyance with the game. And you know, I'm sure that's just part of the charm of Kid Icarus. But uh, there were so many times with the the other enemies in that game where I was just like, Good God! I just if if they were just regular enemies. I think I would really, really enjoy this game a lot more. 
I think it makes it more like uh, shooter-style enemies, you know, where they have a pattern and they follow their pattern. So there's things you can do to, to clearly avoid them. And most of the levels, generally, if you don't want to fight something, you can get around it fairly easily. If you can, you know, in the worlds that go from bottom to top, if you can go past them and get them off the screen, they're gone. They're no longer an issue. They won't follow you up the map. They'll, they'll just be gone. Now, there are a few exceptions to that. There are some monsters that jump from the bottom of the map to the top that you have to keep moving from. Uh, while killing other things. But you could generally avoid everything if you wanted to. You could start for the first world and, and get all the way to the top and not hit one monster and clear the level. I mean, that's that's not a concern. Uh, except that while you're killing these monsters, and if you pause the game, you can see it, you have a score. Uh, along with killing the monsters, they drop hearts, which in this game is money. It's not life. Uh, life in this game is instead you you have to to find a hot spring, which is in one of those rooms we're going to talk about in a second, or there will be you know glasses of wine, water of life is what they're supposed to be uh, that you'll find randomly in the map. You don't kill a guy and they drop; they're always at the same specific spot, and that will heal you one full block of life. You start the game with one block of life, and you can get upgrades that get you stronger, get you more blocks of life, uh, but it's all based on how you perform in the level you're in. So. If you decide you're going to do a run where you're not going to hurt anything the whole way through the level, you're not going to get any upgrade at all. You're going to make it from the bottom of the level to the top of the level, and you'll start the next level at the exact same strength and life that you have at that time. So it, it does make sense to kill everything as you can, but you can also avoid things. Like If you don't want to fight the, the Reapers, you know you shouldn't. And they're, they're there, I think, so that you have to make that decision. Because otherwise, everything dies in one or two hits, and it's pretty easy to just plow your way through it like a shooter. Uh, that's one of the few bosses or characters in those early levels that really takes any more thought than just dodge, shoot. Because nothing really shoots at you either, generally. Uh, it's not too bad, but you're, the arrow that you shoot only seems to go about maybe seven feet in front of you, and then it just disappears. Yes. Uh, you know, you mentioned that this, you know, the enemies are like a shooter, um, except that it, this would be like a shooter if your bullet only traveled barely halfway across the screen, if that. Uh, it definitely does not go very far, uh, and it seemed like I, they would just be out of reach of that arrow every single time. And that's exactly what I ended up doing uh, with just avoiding things. Uh, my plan through that game uh, actually was as soon as I just learned that I could just bypass them if I could get them to the bottom of the screen or off the screen, it was just like, all right, which path can I take to go around these things and just not have to deal with them? Um and I, I, that's that's just kind of how I played the game. I, mean, I I did similar, uh, and for similar reasons, I found out that you know that arrow just it just doesn't cut it really. Uh, you got to be pretty close up. I guess you have to factor in the fucking wind or something like that when you fire that arrow. But yeah, I mean, you it just it my weapon just the weapon on there early on it just seemed like it just it wasn't good enough. Uh, you know the range on it was poor. So yeah, early on I played much the same way. I avoided uh, most most conflict on there, and you know you can do that uh, these first few levels pretty pretty easily. And and you know I started to get a little concerned about that point in time because I was thinking to myself, oh, I mean you know this you know this game you know nice sound looks good, but I'm not going to like it because it is going to be uh, too simple. It is going to be incredibly easy. Little did I know. I, I just needed to wait a little bit. Oh, the game definitely, in my opinion, the game gets really hard at the, the third world. 1-3, yeah. uh, the third, I guess, level of the first world is where the game, it's a longer level than the first two, and it has some, some definite uh, 
difficult enemy positions where if you're not actually fighting them and you're not getting power-ups on the first two levels, that you're going to have a difficult time. So to power up in this game, aside from killing everything and getting hearts, hearts are used as money. It caps out at 999. So if you have 999 hearts worth of money, you can't get any more money. They'll still drop it, but it doesn't do anything. Um, and you, you do earn the score that you can check from the pause screen as you kill all these things as well. You'll go into the rooms. There's rooms throughout the level, much like in Monster Party that we talked about a couple of episodes ago. But unlike in Monster Party, you're not going to find a giant talking, singing plant in these worlds. There's Damn. only really, uh, I'd say, five or six types of rooms. Uh, in the, the, the one you'll see, I think, the most often is, is what I call the snot nose room, uh, which are these big flying noses that fly in these <laughs> same kind of weird patterns. Uh, and, and generally, they can do a fair amount of damage to you, but they're also very easy to avoid. And the biggest thing with the snot nose rooms is, is you kill them, you get t- uh, the big heart, which is worth 10 hearts. So early on in the game, the snot nose rooms are the best way to get money. Uh, if you can go through the snot nose rooms, not get hit much, if at all, and clear them out, I think you get like 100, 100 hearts worth in there. And that's, that's great early on in the game. That's the fastest way to get that much money. Because most of the things you kill outside drop one little heart that's worth one heart. Uh, and you know sometimes those things don't spawn incredibly fast or they have a pattern that gets them away from you often enough where you don't have a lot of time to kill a bunch of them so these snot nose rooms are great for that the downside is of course that you know it is it they do a fair amount of damage and it is dangerous early on when you don't have a lot of life mm-hmm. the other types of rooms you'll see a lot of are shops there's actually two types of shops um they call them shop a and shop b i think in the original manual uh, shop A is the standard shop. You walk in and he says, you know, may I help you? We have everything. And he sells life, um, the waters of life for you. He also can sell feathers, hammers, uh, bottles. Uh, we'll get into what all the items do, I guess, in a second, too. Um, well, I might as well explain them here. So the feathers, as you scroll up in the first worlds and as you scroll across in the, the second world, uh, if you go, you can't go, like, backtrack. You can't fall down. So if you're on, if you've jumped all the way up and you're on a, a weird pillar and you walk off the side off the screen, you're dead. There's no second chances. You don't have any other lives. You have one life. And then you start at the very beginning of the level again. So there's a lot of very difficult jumps in the game that if you had an angel feather, and it's one use per angel feather, and they're rather expensive, uh, it'll fly you back up to a safe platform to continue your adventure without it going all the way back to the beginning. Uh, The water of life, as I said earlier, heals one block of life, and you start with one block. So that's a unit. Uh, And then the bottles are kind of a... A stored water of life so if you are no matter how far you are in the game if you lose all your life and you have a bottle it'll give you one more block of life so it's a last chance bottle basically for life uh and then the hammers it took me as a kid i didn't understand what these hammers did i don't know if you guys figured it out uh when you're playing uh but I figured it out and that's uh, i'm gonna let you continue but then i've got to lodge a complaint uh so so the hammers you collect either from stores or you can find a harp uh, on occasion in the level when you find the harp, it turns all the enemies on the screen into hammers, and you can grab those hammers and collect them. Uh, and it lasts for like five or ten seconds, and then everything turns back into an enemy again. The, I didn't know what they did though, because in those regular worlds, in worlds one, 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 two, and one, three, and you know the first three worlds of levels of every other world, the hammers do nothing. You can't use them; they're just in your inventory, and you've got to figure out exactly what they do. So when you finally get to a labyrinth level, that's where you use them, and. In the labyrinth levels, you hit the select button, and all of a sudden you'll you'll hold your hammer instead of a 
of a of a of a bow. So I always just thought it was a weapon. I thought, great, I get another weapon. It does more damage. Maybe that's a great weapon. But it doesn't seem to do any more damage than your regular arrow. It probably does less to your powered up arrow. So I couldn't figure out exactly what they did. Even though I know I had I had probably used it the right way at some point and just didn't think it was very useful. So when you there are, there are these little stone statues throughout the labyrinth levels that look like little stone warriors and if you hit them with a hammer they they like freeze the fairies trapped inside or something and they fly away off the screen and then you have a counter on your screen of how many fairies you've saved and or warriors i'm sure they're supposed to be warriors uh, and then when you finally get to the boss of the world you're in they show up and arguably help you now i don't know how much help they honestly are because they they die pretty terribly and pretty quickly not um, much they, they are not very much help but i guess any help is fine, depending on how hurt you are when you get to a boss. But hey, any port in a storm. But we'll <laughs> we'll get to there when we get to the bosses. I think. But, but what was me, your complaint? I've got a I've got to lodge that complaint I spoke of a bit ago. These hammers, you know, there's a lot of these fucking things that bust open. So you need these hammers in in large numbers. You need a quantity. Uh, you go in the store, you don't want a single hammer. You want several. But you know what? You can only get one at a fucking time. So what you got to do is you got to go in that damn store. Get your hammer. You got to leave that store. You got to turn around. You got to walk back in that store. Get another one. You want 10 hammers? You're going to do it 10 fucking times. That's what you're going to do. Well, and actually, it's worse than that because it's not It's not the same three items that the storekeeper sells every time. Yes. yes. The, the storekeeper I mean, it, it, it's A. A ru- it's, it's like a slot machine. You're going to get, who knows, three random things. Right. And, and, and the hammer's not in every arrangement that shows up. So you may have to go into that room 30 times to get 10 hammers uh, if you did not collect a bunch through the harp method during the levels. And there are enough harps that generally you can succeed in that. Um, but by the, the last labyrinth especially, I had to buy some hammers. But again, I think the actual usefulness of the guys you free is is dubious at best. It, I don't yeah, think they're it, really worth very, saving. Very questionable. <laughs> I mean, that. that there's no reason you have to save them. It doesn't seem to help you in any way other than that they show up to help you fight. But, I mean, there's not, like, a, a good ending if you save all these guys. No, there's more than you can possibly save in these dungeons. So, other than just to get you an, a, a minuscule amount of help in a boss battle, don't waste your time on the hammers. Uh, but So, that, that's what Store A sells generally. Uh, store B is kind of a black market. You go in, the guy's like, what do you say? Try buying from me. And he has the same items that the earlier store sells, but they're a little more expensive. And he also sells barrels uh, for a, an exorbitant amount of money. Barrels allow you to collect more than one bottle. Normally in your inventory, if you have a bottle, you can't get another bottle. Uh, but with a barrel, you can hold up to eight bottles, which if you can manage to save up enough to buy that many bottles, which is, I mean, you can only hold 999 coins, and I think a bottle is 370 or 380. So you're going you're gonna to grind a lot if you're interested in, in getting those bottles. But you could, at some point, have a, a barrel with eight bottles in it and uh, basically be unstoppable. Uh, but that's what the barrel is. Uh, the other thing that the... Uh, B shop does is the black market is there are parts of the game where if you've got uh, these special items you get from God who gives you items as you, you <laughs> earn them uh, they will steal them they will steal the items from you you will you will have gone through some trials to get this item you'll be all excited and then this this thing jumps on the screen grabs it from you and flies off and there's nothing you can do about getting it back except you show up at the next uh, black market shop and oh look he's selling it now for like 800 coins or 800 hearts you're like, you asshole, this is the worst. Because that's a lot of money. It takes a lot of time to grind that. And in the the side-scrolling and up-scrolling levels, it's really hard to grind money. I mean, it's, it's possible, but it's really, really hard. 
So especially because you only see those things happen in those levels, it is sometimes enough to make you just go back to your save, your password, and re-enter it and start the level again because you don't want to lose that that bow that you spent so much time getting to. Um, and that's one of those things with, like, you know, when we were talking about just avoiding enemies. If you're going through these stages actively avoiding the enemies, then you've basically got nothing to – you can't buy anything in these shops. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're – if you want anything, then you're kind of at a disadvantage. You know, you, you, then you definitely have to grind even more um, to the point where, like, I actually got so far in the game that I was completely gimped. I had been avoiding enemies for so long that I actually needed to buy stuff from a shop. And I had no other choice than just to kind of start over again so that I could, you know, get this, get get enough uh, heart money to buy the stuff that I needed later on in the game. Yeah, so, that can happen. It's a double-edged sword. I mean, you can definitely avoid these enemies, and that's kind of what the game seems to want you to do a lot of times because they're so annoying. But then at the same time, you're really losing out on things that give you a huge advantage uh, in the game. Yeah, that's that's. A pro- I found out as soon as I hit the first store. Uh, that's when I kind of changed the way I was playing. Yeah, because I showed up with with almost no hearts. I couldn't get anything. So you know, I figured, well, I better you know, I better fucking do this. But you know, it is strange. I mean, the game is telling you two different things. I think it is any game that's set up to where you can avoid uh, all enemies uh, shouldn't punish you for that um, later on. I mean, you shouldn't. The game should make you confront these enemies. I mean, a game like you know, like Mega Man, where you can get by some, but you're going to have to usually just clean that screen out most of the time. You can jump over one here and there. There's going to be confrontation on this. I mean, a game when it's set up to where you can dodge almost everything. I, it's it's just it's a slug in the gut when you get there later on and you find out that you should have been killing everything all this time. Well, and it, it's more than just the the money. I mean, money's a big piece of it, but a lot of the stuff you can buy in the shops are kind of aids. You know, it's it's extra life, or it is the the feathers that help you. You know, if you jump over the side, but you can't get stronger either method of getting stronger which is getting more life or getting a stronger bow without getting points and the only way to get points is to kill things so you'll find the other types of rooms you'll find there's a room that's um just called god's room a lot of the time the first world the first room you come to in the game you walk into and it's totally empty no matter what you've done no matter how many times you play this game that room will always be empty and it's because it's a god room you have to have so many points that you've earned um in that level and go to that room, and then God may be there if you've earned enough points, and he'll say, oh, great, here, take this, and he gives you a stronger arrow. Uh, it doesn't go any farther, but it does a lot more damage. It does twice as much damage as the, the bow you start with, and then it goes up by a point each time. If you, if you say that the original bow has one point of damage, uh, there's four upgrades, so you can have up to five points of damage per shot. Uh, and the only way to really know that is that bosses uh, in those labyrinth levels do have a number next to their health, and you can actually see how much damage you're doing per shot. But um, So that if you're not killing things... Ever. If you're just running through those levels like a crazy person trying to speedrun or whatever, you'll never see God. He'll never give you a stronger bow. And that's a huge minus along with the money. And the other way you can upgrade is by getting more health, and that's by having a... It's not per level, but it's a total score um, point base. I I don't remember the exact scores. It was like 20,000 gives you your first extra block of life, and then 50,000 is your second extra block of life. And then I think it's 100,000 and 200,000. I mean, it's a lot of points total points you've earned that will give you more life blocks but if you don't kill things if you just run from start to finish you're never going to get additional health 
And and I think if you don't have an additional health bar by the time you get to that first labyrinth, you've probably screwed yourself. And I don't know if you did that, Jeremy, but that would make that first labyrinth insanely hard. Yeah, I, I totally did that. And I, I actually, you know, I mentioned I was looking through the, the player's guide for this. And I don't know if I just missed where it mentioned, you know, this this whole thing with the, the power bar or whatever. But uh, as I was reading, you know, it was it was kind of like, you know, make sure you get to this many points before you get past this point or, you know, you're kind of screwed and I was just like, well, I don't understand why it's saying that, you know, and I, I, I just wasn't doing that. And then by the time I finally I started over and I was like, all right, I'm going to get this this many points and see what it's talking about. And like, oh, you get another health bar. Well, that's OK. That totally makes sense of why one of the last paragraphs that shows in that guide is like if you make it to the end of the end of world three with more than 80,000 points or whatever it said, um, you're good to go. And, and that's a big deal. Like you really need that many points to, to to get more life and make it through that game, especially with how hard it gets towards the end of it. Um, I you know it's just one of those things I really wish um, it conveyed. I know it's an early NES game and they didn't really say much. I didn't have the instructions. Maybe it said in those, but I I just had zero idea of why I you know it, it just seemed like it was another NES game where I was getting points, which you know that was every NES game. Yeah, and and yeah, that's the. That's my main complaint. And, and I mean, I guess in the grand scheme of things, that's not so bad. I mean, why would the game allow a play style that is eventually going to screw you over? I mean, imagine playing you know, fucking Metal Gear and you snuck past everybody. And then you get to the end and it's like, we would give you this awesome damn shit here, Snake. But you didn't kill enough guys along the way. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just. Well, I, I think that's more of a role playing game thing. Role playing games do that shit all the time. Where you're like, oh man, I, I avoided all these enemies, I, I ran from all these battles, and you get to a certain point and you just, you can't get farther. You haven't leveled up, you haven't done what you need to do. Uh, and I think this has a lot more in common with a role-playing game in that aspect than uh, is how it makes you play as, as opposed to like a Mario Brothers. You know, you don't get power-ups in regular Mario Bros. you earn, you just find them in blocks. But, mm-hmm. but this, it's like everything you get, you have to earn. The yeah. other power-ups you get uh, in the, the training rooms, you'll get to a certain room, and this doesn't matter on score. This is just if you open the door and you go in, and, and God will say, hey, you know, I forgot exactly what he says, but he basically just throws these, these metal boards across the room, and you're supposed to shoot them or avoid them or whatever for oh, yeah, like 30 yeah. seconds or a minute. I don't know. It feels like forever when you're doing it. And if you can get through that without dying, he gives you one of his three treasures. Uh, that's a bow that shoots all the way across the screen. A hammer, or not a hammer, uh, uh, it looks like a staff that will have these two crystal balls fly around you kind of as a shield that also does damage. And then in a fireball that will circle around your arrow as it shoots across the screen, uh, making it essentially do a wider you know, range of damage. Not more damage, but you don't have to be as pinpoint accurate because it's not just an arrow. It's an arrow with a big, big fireball around it. You uh, know, there's, there's some of these items. I don't know how you would get through. you got to have that arrow that shoots across the screen. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... That, I, I, that's how I had to start over. I was like, I can't do anything. I just, I, I feel completely, you know, just at a complete disadvantage with this game. I am sure somewhere out there, there are runs from people far better at video games than us that have not picked up, you know, all these items. But if I would not have had the arrow, if I would not have at least had that, yeah, I wouldn't have got much further. Uh, my game would have been over pretty quick. Well, the other downside of these upgrade items is that they're not just, you can't just have them and they work. You have to have so much health in your health bar. So if, if again, you didn't bother earning enough points to earn the extra health blocks, you'll only have 
if you're lucky, the bow that shoots all the way across the screen active. If you don't have more than one health bar, you can't have the circle of, of uh, the protective circle or the fire around your arrow. You need like three or four health bars to even make those things activate, and they have to be full. If you go under a certain point of health, all those things eventually stop working. So it's it's kind of like the in in uh, Zelda. If your life's are at so much higher than a certain point, you shoot the the lightning bolt out of your your sword. This is very similar to all these special items. If you don't have a lot of health and it's not full, you can't use those items. Um, the other downside of those items is they only work in the first three levels of every world. In the labyrinths, none of those items do anything. They're grayed out in your inventory. You can't shoot all the way across the screen. It's just you're there. You know, I would really shit on that if the labyrinths weren't my favorite part of this game. I got to the first labyrinth and I was like, you know, this game's pretty fun, but it, you know, if it just kind of keeps doing this, you know, it's, I, I can see myself getting tired of it because the first three levels of that game just kind of seemed like uh, the hardest platform section of every other game combined. Um, I know, you know, you've played it so many times at this point, you can just go through it like it's nothing kind of like how I can with the original Contra. Um, but this man, this game is fucking hard. Uh, you know, it, it took me a long time to just get to that that first uh, that labyrinth, and I got to it, and you know, I, I saw that it was a maze because I, you know, I was like, oh man, here we go, because I, I I don't like maze like stages. I've probably said that too many times in in reviews on on YouTube at this point, um, but I actually had a really fun time exploring those labyrinths and and getting around them and finding the different rooms and and hidden stuff and and just getting to the boss. Uh, that was actually my favorite part of this entire game. It really almost felt like a Zelda game at that point of just going around and, and seeing like mapping things out myself, which I actually did because I'm crazy. You know, I, I, I did have the player's guide, but I really wanted to, you know, see what it was like, what if, what it would have been like back then. Um, and it was really fun. I, I had a lot of fun doing that. Yeah, the labyrinths are, are instead of being a side-scroller level or, you know, from either right to left or bottom to top like the other levels, the labyrinths are much like Zelda. Every room is its set screen. It doesn't scroll at all. There's doors to which way you can go, uh, but also it's ladders for up and down because uh, it's, not, it's not an overhead map as much as it's a side-scrolling map um, or a sideways-viewed map. Uh, and, and, yeah, it's, it, once you, you can go back and forth between rooms. You can backtrack anywhere you want in this one dungeon each time. Uh, unlike... If, if you're in the first three levels of a world and you go through a door, it's closed. You can't go back into it. So you can't go into, you know, oh, I wanted to go to the shop and get the hammer I want. You can't do that in those worlds. You can only do that in the uh, labyrinth levels. And, yeah, there's something, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a map you can find that sort of helps and a pen and a light you need that you can buy from shopkeepers to kind of help yourself get through them. But I think, I mean, I know as a kid I mapped this out by hand uh, until I got the player's guide that, that has the first two labyrinths mapped out pretty well. But that third one, even if with the player's guide, it doesn't show it to you. So you've got to, you know, I mean, pen and paper is the way to go. Um, I, again, I played this enough that I kind of memorize it, which is scary. But, uh, 
but they're they're the most fun part of the game for me too. I I love when I played this even today this morning I played it. You know, you get through the first two levels, and I'm like, yeah, I'm enjoying this a lot. And when I get to the first underworld level, it's just like feels like yes, I've earned this. I've earned the reward of playing this level. I love those labyrinth levels. You're on your own. Like, you're, you're not a fan. <laughs> I just I just you know I didn't care for them. They weren't you know I didn't sit there miserable playing through them. But anything labyrinth related, I start to tense up. You know, I just, I, I just, I'm just not made for those type of things, I guess. I mean, I just like a, a straightforward, uh, maybe I'm just not that, I've been accused of not being adventurous in the past. You say you know, that, but you're like the biggest fan of Zelda, and that's like three-fourths of that game. Hey, let me tell you something. <laughs> Nobody does it like Zelda. And, and, you know, in Zelda, you don't feel like you're going through a lab. You feel like you're on a fucking adventure, you know, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I mean, this was not, as far as Labyrinth levels go, I'll say this was painless. This was not the mine carts of that one pile of shit we played not too long ago. Merlin. Um, young Merlin. <laughs> yeah, young Merlin. I love that. I love the guy that recommended it, though. He, he's good by me, old Bjorn. But, uh, yeah, these aren't nearly as painful. Uh, I'm not. I'm just not too keen on them, though. Well, the much like in the the side scrolling worlds, the 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 lo- the monster you want to avoid there is the the reaper. In the labyrinth levels, it's the only monster when anyone ever has ever really played this game, or if you really were a giant fan of Captain and the Game Master, uh, the eggplant wizards are in these dungeons, and eggplant wizards are probably the the worst enemy in any game ever. And I say that including Medusa heads from Castlevania and every other god awful enemy from every other game, because. The eggplant wizards just slowly walk back and forth and occasionally lob an eggplant that you can't do anything about other than avoid. But if it hits you, it doesn't do any damage, but it turns you into an eggplant with feet. And the eggplant with feet, it doesn't run out over time. It doesn't run out when you take enough damage. It only runs out when you wander enough through that labyrinth, trying to avoid everything because you can't fight anything as an eggplant. You literally can just run and jump until you find a doctor's office in the labyrinth that will have a nurse that changes you back to uh, to pit the angel. Isn't that like the most NES shit you've it's, ever heard? It was, <laughs> it's the most garbage video game thing in this game. I mean, it's it's one of those things I would never change it. I think it's perfect, but it's it's every time you get hit with it, it's like, oh, I may just reset this game. Because sometimes finding or just getting to the doctor's offices is worse than trying to fight the boss. Because you could be right next to the boss. In one case, literally the room before the boss has eggplant wizards. You turn into an eggplant, you walk into the door because you don't realize the boss is there. Oh crap, I have to fight a boss. But you can't fight a boss because you're an eggplant. So you just have to kill yourself. You just sit there sit there and die while you're an eggplant and start over from the very beginning of the dungeon. Because again, there's there's no saves really. It's It's a password system and you start right at the beginning of the level you were at. Now you'll have whatever you came in there with. So if you came in there with three health bottles and whatever, great. That's what you're going to start with again. But all the, the if you didn't map it out on paper and you were using the in-game map system, that's gone. It starts you over fresh. Oh, man. Oh, man. That was that was the point uh, in that first, uh, the first time I encountered those guys and I did get turned into an eggplant and was just like, what the fuck is even going on? Um, you know, and I was, I, I expected it to kind of wear off over time. It, it does not, it, it just keeps going. And I was like, I, I, I was under the impression that it was going to wear off over time. So I was still doing save states. And yes, I use save states for this one because Jesus Christ, it's almost impossible without it. 
And I think by the time I was done with it, I had like 790 save states for this one game by itself. Um, but you, you just, it doesn't wear off. And I actually had to go fairly far back just to get to the point where I, before I turned into an eggplant, um, that's, it's a, that's a really asshole move. I mean, that's just, that's some shitty things, just a shitty thing to do to a player. My jaw dropped when I was changed to a damn eggplant. I, you know, I, maybe this is, I mean, I don't know. I, I know there are the little eggplant monsters there. I had no idea this happened. All right, so when this occurred and I found out I was pretty much useless, I, I hate that. I hate that shit. Zelda did it too. <laughs> I didn't even like it. I didn't even like it when Zelda did it. Yeah, Link to the Past. The best Zelda game ever, probably the best video game ever. You know, when you first enter that dark world there and they change you to that bunny that can't do anything, I didn't like that either. I don't like any time where the game just turns you into something completely useless where you can't do anything. I I just didn't appreciate it much. Well, it takes it just takes all the you know control away from you. It feels yeah. like you you cannot do anything to to get rid of it, and uh, it's I, I don't like it in any game like you. It just kind of seems cheap. Um, you know, you can kind of say, well, this is an early NES game, but some some person with with a heart made this game, you know, with a soul. They they made it and they knew exactly what they were doing when that eggplant hit you. And I want to say that that person is a giant asshole and they they should have not done because it's yeah. really shit. It is. Well, again, it's it's just like those. I mean, it's worse in many ways than the the Reaper enemies. But it's it's enemies. As soon as they came in, you're like, this is worse than the boss. At least the boss I know of all the. All, there's three bosses you'll fight until you get to the very last level. One in each labyrinth. They're all pretty straightforward and easy. Uh, the first labyrinth, it is a multiple headed dog uh, that more or less just runs from, or not even runs. It slowly moves from one side of the screen to the other, occasionally shooting at you. But it's pretty easy to avoid. Uh, I thought at least. Uh, the, the second one in the second labyrinth is uh, a like a serpent that jumps in and out of lava, but I think it was incredibly easy to dodge. It doesn't shoot anything at you either. It's just It just jumps, and it jumps in a pretty obvious pattern that you can avoid pretty quickly. Uh, and in the last world, uh, the last of the labyrinth worlds, it is supposed to be Pandora. I had to look up the name of this one because I wasn't sure what it was supposed to be because it looks like a giant bubble, a giant bubble with a face that has two little bubbles that fly around the room, but apparently that's Pandora uh, of pandora's box fame i suppose and fucking fucking fooled me and uh, yeah instead it's a giant bubble I, I always just thought it was bubble man i wasn't sure the name of that person uh but that all the bosses are pretty easy i mean unless you get to the room with no life yeah. and that's true of any game pretty much uh the bosses are, are are fairly slow and pretty easy to to avoid but again even when you have a good deal of life when you get hit by a boss, it does a fair amount of damage. Even if you have four life bars, it might take half of your half of a life bar immediately when it hits you once. So it only takes a couple of mistakes to lose those boss battles. And again, then you go all the way back to the start of the labyrinth, which some of them, until you've memorized them, uh, if you're playing it 300 times like me, uh, could could take you a half an hour more to get back to that boss. So it it was very very hard as a kid to learn these, these labyrinths, get to the boss, and not lose my mind. But I'm not sure how you did it. Well, I, it, I was, what, 9, 10, 11? I had nothing but time. Nothing but time <laughs> on my hands to play. Nothing but time. Across. You didn't know about your impending doom. Right, yeah. And such things. <laughs> now I have no time. <laughs> that, keep you, that keep you up all night in a, in a fucking cold sweat. 
in time i was playing this game and i and i could sympathize with people to watch smallville because i was wondering myself when's this fucker gonna fly when <laughs> you know i got these wings when am i gonna take to the sky you know i mean you got the wing power up that doesn't count i mean when it when is there gonna be a flying level and they give it to me i, I was very pleased with that yeah after all the labyrinths and at the end of each labyrinth when you beat the boss you get a, a satchel and a, you don't know what it has at the time but at the end the, the three bags have the the special weapons you need to, de- to defeat medusa which is the whole point of the game and that last level is you're flying the whole time it's very much more like a straight uh you know a straight flying shooter i mean it's got it still has some platforming things kind of but but only in how the level's set up you fly around the whole time and you have a, a much better weapon than you have the rest of the time that goes through enemies it's it's a lot more like a standard shooter level uh, to get to the last boss, Medusa, who may be the easiest last boss of all time. What the hell? I mean, you know, I was, I, was, I was playing this thing, you know, and I was, I was jazzed about the flying level. I was like, well, it's, it's my time to shine. And I played through that level, and I got to that last boss. And I got to tell you, I hate. I hate. And it's early NES. I'm going to let it slide. I just hate when the boss is a giant something. It was, it's pretty much a giant fucking eye this time. I hate when it's a giant something. Uh, and and I got to it, and I started shooting it, and I was hitting it, and then I realized that it, it wasn't hitting me, no matter what. You know, if, if I just kept firing, I was, I was hitting the boss, and I was taking no damage. Now, I thought that I was just the craftiest guy alive, and I had just stumbled upon something, or maybe it was just sheer skill. But Jeremy P. Ruined, rained on my parade by telling me there's apparently a, a notorious and very obvious safe spot for this boss fight. So so Medusa has, it. you know, Billy's right, it's one big eye in the side of the wall, and you're coming in from the left side of the screen and the, the eye's on the right side of the screen. The eye will shoot in, in I want to say, five or six directions uh, a beam. Pretty consistently, but it it's definitely the same six specific vectors. So you can find a spot on the map pretty easily where you can stand where none of those beams are going to hit you. Like it, it'll just keep shooting right underneath you, and it looks like it might hit your feet, but it never does. And uh, the other thing that happens that could hurt you during that same time is like a the, a snake that looks a lot like the serpent that jumps out at the end of the second labyrinth will shoot out from the top of her head because it's Medusa with snake hair. And, and it will shoot across the screen. But it comes in the same pattern each time. That if you're at this spot that's basically level with the bottom of her eye and shooting at a certain spot across the screen, which is the only pedestal in the background, you, you go right on the only thing you can even see in the background, slightly under the eye, and fire over and over again. And you'll hit her over and over again, and she'll never, ever hit you. Ever. You, you, and you'll sit there and do it enough times, and, and she'll, she'll die pretty quickly. I mean, this is the kind of thing that... as even the first time we got to the boss, we were like, what if we stood right here? And we're like, well, this is ridiculous. I mean, it's an easy, easy last boss. Uh, I'm sure that I, I was so sure 
because I bought the 3DS remake, which is the and it's the same game, but they made it so it takes advantage of the 3D that the 3DS has and adds in some better backgrounds and things. And they did fix a, f- a couple cheats on that, that that were in the game. They didn't fix that. that that's the same exact oh. last boss with the same exact quote strategy. I don't, I don't know if it's strategy or or uh, abuse, but either way, that's the easiest last boss in yeah. the history of game. The only easier boss is that one from Earthworm Jim that's the goldfish that you just push off the pedestal. <laughs> and that's it. That's the, the know, second I, easiest boss ever. I came close to getting that 3DS remake. Uh, I think I got the Urban Champion one instead, though. Oh, I'm sorry uh, to hear that. Hey, I'm a big fan. We're going to do that one one day. Ooh, that's a five-minute episode. It should take about about fucking 10 minutes. But uh, I I was actually disappointed at how easy this boss fight is. You know, because, I mean, this was a challenging game. Uh, You know, none of the other bosses were that tough, but that happens in games sometimes. You have uh, easy bosses, and then, you know, the stages are hard. You get a kind of easy boss, but then the last boss always, you know, brings their fucking A game. Uh, It didn't happen this time, and I I was kind of let down by that. And, you know, and judging by, like, the patterns on there, they're, they're easily... Everything's easily predictable, easily avoidable. Uh, even without that safe spot, this would not have been a tough fight. No, I, I think it's just another one of those situations where it does enough damage every time it hits you, and if you're not, if you aren't in that safe spot, then dodging both the serpent and her shots could be difficult. Um, there's actually, uh, we'll get into the sequels in a second, but the Game Boy sequel's kind of a reimagining of this game, and the last boss is kind of like a non-broken version of this boss. And it's it's definitely harder than this, but still has the same ideas behind it. Um, so yeah, you, you finish Medusa, you take her out, you get to the last screen, and then there's, uh, you're supposed to be saving, uh, what's her name, Athena? And uh, and she's, she's, oh, thank you so much for saving me. And then depending on what you've done during the game, what you showed up to that last level with, you get one of five different endings. The endings are all the same. Uh, as far as it's just you standing there, uh, and then it shows you the credits. But, you know, sometimes you have a spear, sometimes you have a helmet and a spear, sometimes you turn into a giant man, sometimes she kisses you. It really just depends on how much you've done in the level. Uh, I looked on GameFAQs to see what the, the breakdown is of how to get it, and someone spent a lot of time figuring this out. Uh, if you go to GameFAQs and look up, one, how you earn the god arrows, and also how you get the five endings, I don't know how anyone would have figured this much out. How much time you had to have had... I mean, you had to have gone and looked at the code to figure some of this out because it it's insane the amount of effort it takes to get like a perfect run on this, to get the kiss ending. So yeah, regardless of which ending you get and you get to see the credits, then you get to go back to the start again and you can restart with all of the upgrades you've earned uh, as far as your power and your health bars. I don't think you get to keep your items, uh, anything you've had up to that point, but at least you'll start with, you know, if you have the strongest arrow and five life bars, then you're going to blow through those early levels. Uh, and I guess you have a chance to go through again and earn the best possible ending. Uh, but other than that, the game doesn't change. It's not like if there's a, you know, a game B after you beat it the first time. It's the exact same difficulty. Uh, it's just you have better power-ups. So yeah, I played this. It's, it's like an early version of a new game plus, pretty much. Right, but it, but it doesn't have the plus part. It's just a new game. You get to keep your stuff, but it's not... Uh, you know, a lot of New Game Pluses, there's at least some new things added or like, oh yeah, we, you get an upgrade you wouldn't get normally, but instead mm-hmm. you just start stronger than you'd normally start, but as strong as you ended it. So, I mean, it's still it's still cool. I definitely did it a number of times before, and uh, on that 3DS version, uh, it, it actually does save in between each level. There's no save states, but it saves in between each level. So you, I can come back to it six months from now, and I can play through the same game 200 times, uh, where on the you know original one you have to write down a 400 character password. So, thankfully I don't have to do that. 
So I've played this game, like I said previously, hundreds of times. I mean, I easily, every system that has this on the virtual console, every time this shows up in any format, I've guaranteed purchased it and I play it again because I know I'm going to play it. It's uh, it's a game I can just find myself playing for two to three hours, finish it, feel great about myself, and then move on to something that I'm not very good at, uh, like life. But I'm good at this game, so I've played a lot of this game. I know it has some issues, even playing through it now. Uh, a game that when you fall off the screen and die, you immediately die is is still kind of jarring. That doesn't happen anymore. Normally, you take some damage and you show up at a safe platform, or you know at least you have a chance. But in this game, it's like, yeah, well, you don't have a feather, f you, and it starts you over again. And without save states, especially, I mean, I'm using save states for this because I I was playing it with uh, on the 3ds, but it's still like. It's still hard and with, with save states. without it's, it's almost enough to make you turn it off. And I did a couple times, uh, even in that three-hour window, and came back to it five minutes later. But what, what did you not like about this game, or, or really like? I tell you, I, I liked a lot of it. Uh, you know, the, we talked about the sound. Uh, you know, excellent for the time. The graphics, I mean, for at, the, at the point it was out, you know, that was pretty damn good for the Nintendo then. Uh, it played smooth. Uh, once I got down the fact uh, that I needed to kill things and collect hearts, uh, it became a much uh, much more fun game. It became a much easier game because I was getting the you know the various power ups as you went along. Uh, you know what I didn't like? Um, I talked about before that you know the repetitiveness uh, of having to go in and out of the shop if you decide you're going to amass a lot of one item. Um, it was difficult, but I can't really complain about the difficulty because I, you know, I, I was upset when I thought it was going to be, you know, a, a breeze. So, uh, difficulty was welcomed. That last boss fight just, you know, I mean, I stumbled upon that spot by accident. Um, I, and it, you know, and it just, it, I wanted a big challenge at the end. You know, if I ever played through again, I would purposefully not use that spot and give it a try. Uh, other than that, um, I really came away with this one without many complaints. Uh, my biggest one would maybe be your first time playing through, and I've said it already, uh, the game allows you to play in a way, um, it seems to encourage you to play in a way that is not beneficial to you uh, as the game progresses. And, you know, that's easily you know fixable. You can start over, you can play again, or you can grind through if you want to and catch up. Uh, I don't have any complaints that are they're damning at all. Uh, this has certainly earned that spot. Of, to me, uh, it's earned that spot as an NES classic. And that's that's about how I feel with it. I mean, it's it, it, like we said at the beginning of this. It's always exciting to go into an, an old NES game that a lot of people love and and try it for the first time. You know, years, decades later, even. Um, but you know, it's, it's kind of one of those double-edged swords that, you know, you can't quite appreciate it as much as what you could have if you would have played it back in the day. Um, when Kid Icarus first came out, you know, it was very unique. The whole vertical scrolling levels, everything like that. It was, it was really neat. Uh, you know, I could imagine playing that as a kid and loving it. I just never got to because it was never at my video store for some reason. Um, I always loved looking at it in the player's guide because it was very different from from the rest of the what what else was in the player's guide. You know, there were eggplant enemies. You know, it, it was crazy. Um, but playing it now, you know, you you find a lot of things that that just 
it's hard for an adult brain to to be like, oh man, I just I can't forgive this just because it's just so fucking annoying. Um, you know, my biggest thing were just the kind of the, the various enemies that were in the game and just how unforgiving it was and how unforgiving the platforming it was. Um, that was my biggest thing. I, you know, I'm, I don't have quite the ability to, to challenge a game like I did when I was back to, you know, when I was like seven or eight years old, I just can't do that anymore. But, you know, there was a lot more in this game that I liked than what I didn't like. And this was, it's, it still holds up, you know, it's still really fun to play. It's got good controls. Um, the labyrinth levels, like I said, are, are really great. Uh, Billy may not like them, but I really, I looked forward to getting to those because I knew it was just going to be, uh, I was going to have fun mapping those out and, and getting around and finding the different rooms. Um, but, you know, it's, I, I, I could still recommend it to just about anyone. It's, it's really a great NES game. And for as old as it is, and, you know, for a lot of those games back then that just haven't aged very well, unless they're the absolute most classic games of all time, I think Kid Icarus really stands up. It's still a great game to this day. I mean, I I'm very glad that <laughs> that both of you agreed it's good. This one, you I know, you know, this motherfucker's crying over there. I am. <laughs> we both love this game so much. But but this was one that wasn't on my original list because I honestly had thought everyone had played this game. It was like you know we didn't want to do when we were talking about doing this podcast. We we're like, well, we don't want to do Mario Brothers two and all the ones everyone's already done. So I didn't even put this on the list because I assumed that you had both been well-versed in Kid Icarus. And then when you mentioned a couple episodes ago that neither of you had played it, I was like, well, we're throwing this on the list. We have to. Also to make myself feel about, about my picks. But but generally, I just couldn't believe you hadn't played it. Because it is one of, I mean, in my opinion, one of the best, well, the best Nintendo game. But but even without that, I don't know anyone who's played it that, that likes early Nintendo games that would say this is a bad game. Maybe one they don't care for personally, but not a bad game. It's It's... It's a classic for a reason. Uh, but what's unlike a lot of other classics, it didn't have very many sequels. Uh, there's a, a sequel for the Game Boy called Kid Icarus of Mists and Monsters that came out in 1991. Uh, it was, it's its own game. It's not a remake of this, but it kind of takes all that this game does and does it again. So it's it's just like playing you know Mario and then Mario Land. You know, it's it's its own game, but it's basically what you've already seen before. Um, you know, but on a smaller screen. Uh, the one thing with with this the Game Boy version that I remember is that you know in this game on the the side scrolling levels and the the bottom and top levels you don't go the other direction on the screen. It's not like you can scroll a little bit to the left or the right on those those vertical screens. It's just the size of your screen. And in fact, you can you lap around if like Pac Man. If you go off the right side of the screen, you show up on the left side of the screen. Uh, the, you know the, the Game Boy one actually had scrolling in that as well. So if you were in a in a level that went from left to right, you could also go up a little bit or down a little bit, depending on where you were in the level. I thought that actually made it harder, because since you still died, if you fell off the screen, there would be some times where you thought you were going to fall, and all of a sudden, oh wait, the screen goes down farther, and there's a platform. How would I ever, ever know that? Because I can't really fly. Um, that said, it was still a good game. And then the nothing came out for years until they put Pit as a main character, a uh, playable character in Smash Brothers. And people were kind of saying, oh, you know, we missed Kid Icarus. Why has there never been a Kid Icarus sequel? And so for the 3DS, uh, I think it was a launch title for the 3DS, they put out Kid Icarus Uprising, which is nothing at all like the first <laughs> game or the Game Boy game. It is, is more that? of a... I How honestly, I played the demo when it was new, and I thought, eh, this is okay. Because I thought, I wanted Kid Icarus, you know. And instead it was more of a... <sighs> Well, like a Panzer Dragoon feeling shooter, not as good as that, but that's what it reminded me of. 
seemed to have a lot of flying in it, though. I was very pleased yeah, to see that. Yeah, a lot of flying. There's a lot of flying, uh, and in fact, no exploration, uh, and none of what I liked about Kid Icarus. But that said, it, it apparently got very good reviews, and it's one of those games that I keep thinking, oh, you know, I'll find a copy for cheap on eBay and, and check it out. But I just haven't gotten around to it because now I'm too busy playing that PS4. Uh, but <laughs> that's only a recent reason not to buy it. Um, so yeah, that's the only the only two sequels to this game have been uh, Uprising, and actually the, the development group that made Uprising for Nintendo uh, was disbanded immediately afterwards, so who knows if they'll ever do anything else with Kid Icarus other than put him in games as a side character. Um, but it is going to be on the Nintendo Classic that's coming out in two weeks. Uh, that's the the mini NES that has 30 preloaded games. Kid Icarus is one of those games, so it, it by itself, then there's a reason to buy it. But there's also other games you might have heard of, like Zelda and Mario on this thing. Uh, everyone agrees that's going to be an amazing system, a hit for everyone that likes gaming. But that's not the only Nintendo system that's coming out, because about two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago, Nintendo finally gave us firm details on their next system. And we were going to talk about it on the Halloween episode, but we were short one Billy Holiday, who I know would have an opinion. So yeah, what you do know. you think about the Nintendo Switch, Billy? Do you know why they call it the Switch? Do you? I, I you think know, you've got a pretty good idea. I think it's because you can switch it from being on a TV to a handheld. But what is your reason? It's because whoever came up with this idea should be fucking made to go out and pick one and be whipped with it. They <laughs> <laughs> like, go pick a fucking Switch. What a dumb idea. Uh, you know, I can see the appeal if you're a kid. But the people playing Nintendo ain't kids. They're us. You know, they're people in their mid-fucking-30s. Or I'm speaking for myself. I'm the youngest one. You know, the rest of you guys are about dead. That's uh, true. Or people in their 40s <laughs> <laughs> that grew up with it. You know, I don't know. You know, my son does not play Nintendo systems. You know, he got a Wii U... Um, pretty much just to play Mario Kart. I don't think, I think the thing's got a layer of fucking dust on it. I don't know any kids, any of his friends that own a Nintendo system. Uh, you know, I don't know. They don't know who their audience is. We don't need something that we can take on the go. You know what happens when I'm on the go? I'm fucking driving. And I can't play, are they encouraged? Do they want me to play games while I drive? I can't. You know, I'm driving or I'm out at the store I'm at work. I'm in positions outside of the house where I cannot play video games. And so I, I don't know the audience for this thing. You well, know, I mean, and if, the, you, if you go by the trailer, you know, you're, you're supposed to take the Nintendo Switch everywhere you go. Walk you, your you dog. Know, if you're going to a party, take it, take it to a party and just chill there yeah. with it and, and introduce and, and, your friends to it with those tiny ass controllers. Shit. And be the only person at the party less popular than me. <laughs> you bring that thing to it. Yeah, what's these control you know, even the controllers are made for a child's hands. I'm a grown man. I got grown man hands. I'm gonna eat that controller alive. You know, I, I that deep my thumb I imagine is gonna fit over that entire D pad. There's no way around it. I I don't get it. I, I really is, don't. I, I think I'm actually more excited for it than than I figured I would be. I, I think it's a neat idea. You know, if this finally converges Nintendo's console plans with its mobile plans, and you just have one ecosystem know, of that stuff. It wouldn't be too bad. But they got a per, they got a good mobile. I mean, they got a good handheld system right now. 3DS probably the best handheld that's ever been. Just go to making games for it. Just focus on it 100. percent 
don't do this. Uh, and you're just confusing the, the console and the hand. Are you, you know, I, oof, and they fucking abandoned the Wii U, which they said they wouldn't do. But are they going to abandon the 3DS now also because of this thing that encompasses everything? I, I don't know. Uh, and you know what burned me up? And it should have done the opposite. You know, I should have saw this and I should have been standing at attention, if you know what I mean. <laughs> When they showed that clip of Mario Kart with fucking King Boo, and there's two item slots now, like Double Dash, which I love so dearly. Uh, but you know, that's just, it's Mario Kart 8. I don't think it's a new Mario Kart. I, I think it's Mario Kart 8 with some extra DLC on it. They're going to call the damn thing Mario Kart Switch or something you know, like that, because they like putting the name of the system at the end of their games. And, and they're going to charge, whew, they're going to charge full price for it. And I'm going to be angry as shit when they do. I'm going oh, to be you angry. know that every game that you bought Smash. On, on that Wii U is going to be the it's going to release just about on there. Smash, Mario Maker, um, uh, Splatoon, um, you know, Mario Kart. There's going to be a ton of of quote unquote remasters uh, of classic Wii U games on there, and you know they're going to charge us full price to buy them again, and we're going to buy them. We're going to buy full, every you know, that's single the one. Thing. Of them. I told, I said before, several episodes ago, when I first started talking about this thing, that's why I'm so damn angry, because I hate myself, because I'm going to be there day <laughs> one. I'm going to have that system under one arm, and I'm going to have about four or five fucking games under the other. I'm going to be playing that thing. I'm going to be damn loving it, and I'm going to hate myself every second for it, because I am the target audience. I am what they want. They want just blind fucking faithfulness, even though they damn shit on us years and years now you know the the trouble is it's like a it's like a abusive relationship and, and I, you know i'm not trying to offend anybody and i'm not trying to be insensitive but you know you you take so much abuse you know and you're, you're let down so many times and and you're lied to and and you're you know you're you're just messed around on so many times but then there's that time they let their guard down they're nice to you and they give you a smash bro they give you a Mario Kart. They give you a Mario Maker. And you think for a minute, maybe they'll change. Maybe they care about me. You know? Maybe, they're, maybe they mean it this time. That they're different. And then they pull shit like this, and you know they'll never change. But you know I'm never going to file for that divorce. I'm with them for life. Nintendo you're keep, keep getting you're gonna keep getting whipped by that belt every time. I'm like, going to keep Nintendo getting comes drunkenly home. And I'm going to... I'm gonna, ask for more i'm gonna say i'm gonna buy the switch you know in two fucking years when you abandon it and go for the next thing <laughs> i'm gonna be right there too i'm stuck <laughs> with, i'm you know i'm stuck with nintendo you know i'm stuck with them uh but yeah they've been so good to me over the years <laughs> listen to you do you seriously sound like an now i'm raising wife now, or something now i'm trying to reason what's wrong what's wrong with me this is like the, the third be, step of, of denial. I wasn't on the last episode. I won't be on the next few because I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be seeing somebody for some help. Some <laughs> counseling, long term counseling. And and when I come back, I'm gonna be much happier. I'm gonna be much healthier. I, all I'm our sorry. games will be Sega. Oh. Well, and until was, that we until fan, that switch comes knocking oh. at the door and you say it's like hey baby, I've I've changed. I I can I can be different. 
Yeah. I've got these fucking controllers that come off the side of me, and you can do shit with <laughs> you them. You can pull my ears off and use them as controllers. <laughs> you know what's going? On? I'm going to break that thing. I'm going to have. I'm going to have that thing. I'm going to have that thing broke within a day. It, you know, in Nintendo stuff's usually. You know, the joke with the NES was you could drop that thing down. I have dropped it down steps, and it'll still play. Well, the N64 this, is unbreakable. This thing looks so flimsy. I, I, I'm going to be scared. I'm going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be something. I'm going to have it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just glad I'm not a Sega fan. I'd be hanging from a fucking rope by now. <laughs> but, but you know, it, oh, and this. And this. <laughs> and this. You know, they showed the thing, and everybody's fucking damn, you know, they're jerking their dicks over the fact that they're playing Skyrim on the thing. <laughs> All right. Have we gone back five years? Have we gotten that time machine? Have we shot back to where playing Skyrim is is, is something? You know, that I mean, was that... the thing. That was crazy to me. That like everyone like was freaking out that Skyrim was where they could play Skyrim again. I'm just like it's it's like a five year old game at this point. You can play it on every the, the remastered version. Literally, just came out on everything basically. Like, is is this really what you want to be doing with your brand new Nintendo system? You know, they every time a new Nintendo system comes out, they always put out this big list of third parties that are there to support them. They're, they're like, we're back. You know, yeah. we've got everyone yeah. with us. This is just going to be exactly like the Super Nintendo days. Wait, wait six months. Yeah. That list is going to be Nintendo. That's it. That's the only person making games right thing. I don't even really care. I don't even. That's why I buy. I I buy Nintendo consoles to play Nintendo Nintendo games. games. That's it. And that's why I don't know why they they even bother. You know, show me. Give me that Zelda. You know, that's a Zelda coming out. That Zelda looks nice. It looks real nice. You know, I've stayed up at night thinking about that game. I can't wait to play it. And you know, and it's coming out on the Wii U. But no, that's going to be watered down. I got to have the real thing on the Switch. I'm going to get it. This Mario Kart. You know, Mario Kart's the only game I'm good at. Like, (laughs) exceptionally good at. Could go and and make something of myself professionally playing Mario Kart. Uh, I think I've probably beat the shit out of both of you several times. But, (laughs) yeah, they're going to have that. And, you know, if they throw an Animal Crossing in... And all I ever play on that system is Zelda, Mario Kart, and Animal Crossing. I'm probably going to come on here 10 years from now. God forbid if we're still doing this. And I'm going to say it was the best system to ever come out. (laughs) Hey, Jeremy P., what do you think about this? I'm just, I I mean, I knew that you would be probably annoyed by (laughs) by the actual Switch once we saw what it was. I actually was very excited about the Switch. It's, It's pretty much designed explicitly for me and my needs uh in gaming right now i can't Tell play me, jeremy p where are you gonna take this thing when you go out i'm not you're snap, i'm not you're gonna, this sna- means... you're gonna snap the ears off this thing and take it with you my kids can watch caillou or whatever dumbass thing they want to watch is and i can continue to play the new zelda literally just by picking this thing out of the, the holder and, and snapping those ears on it and sitting there playing with it just like i do now with the wii u pad because that's why i like my wii u not that it has an amazing library of games although it has that's a handful it, of great it, games though. It's that, a, that's it. It's me. I'm the audience. I don't know why you build a whole system for one guy, but they did, and I appreciate it. But, but this uh, thing, console was this, already there. The Wii U was the, already there. This thing they're sell. advertising, playing it on the go. 
or, you know, being able to, to, I don't want to take it out of the house. I don't want to play it out of the house. Things get lost outside of the house. They get broke. You give them to your friends with fucking grubby hands on your screen and they break it. And then they think because they're a good friend, they don't have to pay for it to replace it. Bad things happen when you take a game system out of the house. I found this out as a kid many a time. And, you know, the Wii U does that. You can play your games on there. Play your games just fine. Have at it. No, but now I can leave the room. Right now, we've already talked about the Wii U. You can go about three feet away from that console before it loses connection. I, I could go I could, I could could go to the bathroom and continue to play my game. I could <laughs> go upstairs and lock world. my door and hide in my bedroom and pretend I'm sick and play that game without having to, to put it on a different system or move it around. I, again... I'm not saying it's it's got a lot of widespread appeal. I'd be shocked if more than two people I know, which would be you and me, own yes. this thing, and, and that would be, <laughs> that would be it. But but it's it's a system designed for a 39 year old trying to hide from his kids. So yeah, I'm very excited guy, about it. This guy here, you know, he's gonna have to, he's gonna have to draw a fucking tub, bring that thing in there with him, <laughs> playing it up. Probably got a candle lit. I you know I'm. I don't know. I'm gonna buy it. I'll like it, but I yeah, won't I'll like buy it. Too. <laughs> but I, I, I won't like it that I'll like it. <laughs> You'll secretly hate how much you like it, and that's fair. Oh, it's not secret. I'm saying it. <laughs> You're openly going to hate how much you like it. <laughs> I'm gonna hate myself. The more I like that thing, the more angry I'm gonna be with myself. I, you know, I'm not. A week after that thing's out, I'm probably gonna cease looking at myself in the mirror anymore. <laughs> Well, I'm glad we waited to discuss this with you as opposed to doing it uh, last episode. This has been much more informative than the uh, the version Jeremy and I attempted to record. We both were like, I don't know, it looks all right. And that was the end of it. <laughs> this is much better. Much, like, much yeah, better. Whatever, you know, It'll work. It's a Nintendo console. You know, it just seems like Nintendo can't do anything anymore without trying to Nintendo it up somehow. Um, but you know, after does this thing have through, the, does this have the motion controls? I haven't heard anything. I don't think and so. I, I don't think there's oh. any. Motion and I don't controls. think it's a touchpad. I don't think that the the, the I think it's oh. literally just a um, a screen like a um, like an iPad, but without so when, the touchability. When you think about it, this is the most console like system that Nintendo has made probably since the GameCube. I mean, there, there's no weird gimmicks to it. You know, there's no motion controls. Uh, well, we don't know that for a fact. It yeah, could end up know, being bizarre. There, you could need a helmet the, to play this thing. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, just on the surface of it, this is probably about as close as what we're going to get as far as like, you know, besides the mini NES or whatever that's coming out for Nintendo just to make a regular ass console. And if they can do that, Without all the gimmicks, you know, the gimmick is to take it on the road. If you if you don't want to do that, you don't have to, obviously. You can dock it in their stupid, you know, switch dock and play it on the TV. Um, it seems like this is just a, a kind of maybe, maybe, maybe a return to basic Nintendo console gaming. And after going through the Wii with motion controls, which I fucking hated... Um, and the Wii U was fine, but there was just so few games for it that it was really hard for me to recommend to anyone, unless you really like Mario Kart. Um, I, you know, I, I think this might be a, a fun system to, to sit around and play with someone. Uh, if it turns out like what that stupid trailer showed. Well, it is six months away. We're going to have to fill it with several more episodes before we hit that episode. And thankfully, Next episode is not going to be on the Switch. Uh, I doubt it will ever have any kind of release everywhere, anywhere else. Let me try that again in English. <laughs> I doubt that it will be ever re-released for anything, because I don't believe it's on any virtual console. Golgo 13, 
for the Nintendo Entertainment System, the first Golgo 13, not the sequel. Uh, it's a game I owned when it was new, and I remember literally nothing about it. Uh, but it was a listener request, so we're going to give it a shot. We're going to stay on the Nintendo this time. Uh, but uh, until that next episode, uh, after you've calmed down from how excited you were from our Switch coverage, uh, check us out on Retrovania.net. Plenty of new articles coming up all the time. Follow us on Twitter, Retrovania.net, Facebook, at Retrovania.net, pretty much anywhere as Retrovania.net. And we will see you next time. Thank you.